Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So this week, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, a story that I think has been getting a a fair bit of traction and interest just generally within our developer community right now. And I think it's an important one to emphasize. Um, And specifically, we're going to talk about the practice that seemed to have been kind of growing over the last few months, maybe a year, um, of sort of sneaky subscriptions or tricky ways that people are using and kind of abusing the subscription system in the app store to be, I think it's fair to say overcharging or in some ways almost like fraudulently charging people fairly substantial sums of money um, for things that don't really seem like they should be worth that. You know, like there's, I think this got most prominent with an article um, that was on TechCrunch where they kind of went through a couple of these and you get these examples of these like seemingly very simple utilities. Like there's a QR code scanner, which by the way is something that's built into the phone um, that is, you know, people are being charged $20 a year to use. And, you know, whether there's one that's a bunch of weather apps, there's uh, scanner software, like all these things that um, these sort of utility functions, many of which are actually built into the system that uh, now have subscriptions. And well, uh, like $20 a year is like, that's not an, a, even a very egregious example. What a lot of these have been doing is like, they'll charge like, a hundred dollars a month for weather or something something like that where it's like they're taking advantage of the subscription system and the way the in-app purchase sheet is designed and presented and small print and free trials uh to basically trick people into into very very high priced subscriptions for things they didn't really intend to or that wouldn't normally command anywhere near that kind of price yeah and 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 it's and honestly, it's probably, I was probably going to get into this in a little bit, but I think it's probably fair to say like a big part of why this works, like why this scam is even possible, has to do with the way that subscriptions are implemented in the App Store right now. That I think, like, and that's not to say that I think, and we'll get into this for around the ethics around these kind of things, like the developers are certainly to, you know, sort of responsible for this. But I think the way that Apple has built subscriptions into the App Store um, is largely is partly um, enabling for for this type of thing. Like managing subscriptions is weird as a user. You know, it's like where do you go to manage your subscriptions? Well, you tap on your your face in the top right corner of one of the tabs, <laughs> the Today tab, um, which has nothing. To, it seems like the Today tab should have nothing to do with your profile, but that's where you go. You go tap on your face, and then you have to scroll down. Uh, past the first, like I have an, I, you know, an iPhone 10, which is a pretty long screen, and the manage subscriptions option is well, by, well down below that. That if you may not know is there, if you didn't think to scroll, then you tap on that, and then you'll finally get to the place that you can manage your subscriptions. Um, that's not great. Um, it's kind of confusing, and if you don't know, if like if you didn't know where it was, I don't think you would naturally find it. Um, it's not like an easy, obvious place. It's not accessible from the settings app, which I think a lot of people might think would be the case. Um, like this is sort of helped slightly by like Apple sending emails that are kind of you know, letting you know when your subscription is going to renew and what it's going to cost, and like that kind of stuff might help. But I think it's one of these things that. Apple clearly has has indicated specifically and explicitly that they want um, subscriptions to be a bigger part of the way that apps are monetized on the App Store. But the physical infrastructure and the rules around that uh, don't seem to have caught up to that, where 
you know, I would imagine that it, se- it seems the kind of thing that there should be a system-wide control that every app that implements subscriptions has to use and has to make visible you know, in the application that you can tap and you can manage your subscription from. Like, there's all manner of things like that where, you know, the, you it's easy, to, they make it super easy to sign up and then kind of hard to cancel, which is like classic, you know, which is like, I guess is good business sense, but is kind of tricky, especially in this, these cases where you start to have apps that are taking advantage of that asymmetry to do really dodgy things. It's also like like there are certain details about it that are just incredibly unintuitive and hostile. Like that you when you delete an app, it does not cancel any auto-renewing subscriptions that belong to that app. Now there are reasons why you might want that. Like if you delete if you have multiple devices and you have like, you know, a Netflix subscription and you delete, you know, from one device and it doesn't cancel your your Netflix subscription because you have other devices. Like that that kind of makes sense, but I don't think that should be the default behavior. And I think I think if you delete an app, it might pro- it might at least tell you by by like a dialog box that you know, hey, this this won't cancel the subscriptions. But nobody reads dialog boxes. Like when you delete an app and you see a box, you just hit okay, 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 okay. Like you know, you just go through whatever. Yeah, I want to delete this app. So a lot of these apps, you know, by using the free trial system, they they will start a free trial subscription that people are like, okay, yeah, I'll try this for free. I, I want to I want to scan my QR code, and I don't know if the built-in camera app can just do that. And so I, so like. You know, they'll start. They'll they'll say, okay, yeah, sure, free trial. And they'll think to themselves, oh, I'll just delete the app, and then I won't be charged, right? And then so they use it, they delete the app, and then a week later they're charged. And the design of the sheet of the in-app purchase sheet even is is also pretty misleading with a lot of the stuff. Like they tweaked it a little bit recently over time, but uh, but still, the the look of an in-app purchase sheet, whether it's going to charge you like. $5 once or $500 a week it looks pretty much the same like the, the differences are very minor and it's on a it's on that that in-app purchase sheet like that that kind of apple pay type sheet now that's full of a lot of small text all of which is in all capitals so it's not a very readable design it's not a good design for clearly communicating unambiguously like this is a recurring thing that you're going to pay unless you go through these hoops to cancel. And also, I think they would, they're, they're kind of doing themselves a disservice here by making every interval look the same. So like, if I'm ge- being charged $500 a week or $500 a year, that's a pretty big difference. And yet the sheet doesn't look very different. I, I think like there's lots of different ways they can make this easier and better. Number one would be that the the prompt when you delete an app that has auto-renewing sub- subscriptions, like the default styled button in that prompt should be cancel those subscriptions. And it should just do it with that one tap, maybe, ha- maybe have you enter your iTunes password or whatever, but that's it. Like that should be one, one quick action on that sheet that should be automatic. And secondly, I think the, the in-app purchase confirmation sheet should be better designed. It should be more clearly designed to look less like a receipt that nobody reads and to look more like you know a clear purchase agreement here that clearly specifies in readable formats in, with readable typography how much you're going to be charged and when. And I would even go even further and say to help differentiate the frequency issue, I would say that sheet should be redesigned to say like this, equi- this is equivalent to X dollars per year. So... If it's an annual subscription, fine. This is ten bucks a year. 
But if it's a weekly subscription, you can say this is $3,000 a year, like, you know, like whatever it is, like that should be clear to people. Because right now, the reason these apps work this way at all, the reason this scam has worked so much is because everything is not very clear to the user and it's very difficult to cancel these subscriptions. Yeah. Like there's so many aspects of this that I think just like more broadly in the app store that are so, they they give me such unease where it's like, this is the most recent thing, but like, and then, and you know, to Apple's credit, I think they've gone through since this became a thing. And it sounds like they're doing an audit of subscription based applications and like, are they're doing the right thing in terms of trying to deal with the issue as it stands today. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do going forward to kind of keep it from happening in the future, because there's always going to be this case where, you know, this is, and it reminds me of in the original days of subscriptions, they were very limiting in what apps could offer subscriptions. Yeah. And I remember specifically complaining about that. Like, it seemed like, oh, you know, like you had to have some kind of service or physical thing that you were you know, sort of charging for. And I remember complaining about that. And it's like, this is just a good reminder for myself of this is why Apple likely did that is they knew that their their policy has to hold up to the people's worst intentions, not their best intentions. And, you know, since they've opened it up, people have taken advantage of that. And you could imagine, like, I suspect when these apps went through App Review, um, they like, like the pricing tiers for all of their things were likely very different. But you can dynamically change the pricing tiers, I believe, for a subscription. Oh. I mean, fair enough, the people, when they sub- when they sign up for it, that pricing change, like, was going to be reflected to them. You know, like, as best I understand, like, you know, if that person signs up, it did say that it was going to be $100 a week to, to that person. Yeah, yeah, like, it'll, it'll never rise the, pr- it'll, it'll never raise the price on some, on existing subscriptions. Yeah. But it, but, but like, you can raise it on new ones. Yeah, so they can go through, app, you know, app review, where it's a dollar, you know, a dollar a week, and then, you know, and once it's through app review, they can change it, which has always kind of been one of these awkward things. I mean, I have no idea if that's the case, but that's my guess is how a lot of these scams work. Like it's, and it's tricky to like, I could, you know, I don't know how you can deal with this other than you go back to the world where it's very limited that you have to be like a media company or something that is a, you know, a subscription service that you can't have subscriptions in utilities but like that's problematic too. Like it's such a, a tricky thing, and I mean, it makes me it reminds me in a weird way of um, consumable in-app purchase, which was also is also you know and remains very problematic in a lot of ways for different reasons. Like it's it's sort of scammy in a different way, where it's it's emotional. It's sort of it's the you know you create an application that has an addictive quality, loss aversion, has a variety of these kind of psychological manipulation techniques in it. And then have a consumable in a purchase where you can prey upon, a, you know, a, a small subset of your users to spend huge sums of money. And you know, in the same way, I've all for a long time advocated that consumable in a purchase should always show the cumulative amount of money that you've spent yes. in the application um, to date. That it's like it's still obviously like it's the person's choice. Like that, you know, there's two sides of this. That there's the person being manipulated scammed whatever you want to call it and the person doing the scamming and like that person is still making a choice to hit buy um but giving them that that person the maximal amount of information um and making that as clear as possible always seems like the best you know it's the that's avoiding some some set of these issues where there's the people who are just being who are who don't understand what they're doing you know that they think they're just signing up for a free trial 
um, and they're not expecting to be charged uh, at, at all. Like, I mean, you could imagine there, you know, there are some free trials where, um, yeah, not a sponsor this week, I think, but like Squarespace, I think is an example of where you have a free trial that when it ends is that when it asks you to then pay, like that's a very, that's, that's a very, that's like the most kind, appropriate ethical version of this where you're never charged until you are absolutely confident that you want the thing. Whereas most of these, you know, the free trials in the app store are, it's a free trial. Um, and at the end you'll immediately get charged and your billing information is already on iTunes. So, you know, it's like that, these types of patterns are so much, I think there's the policy side and then yeah, like there's the UI design consumer information side where it's making it clear and upfront what people are actually being charged both you know, now and in the future as well as giving them good tools for canceling, getting refunds, those types of things, um, you know, in the few, you know, if they change their mind or have issues going down the road. Yeah. And I think it's important as developers to, to consider and, and to weigh like the ethics of how we're making money and, and the various ways in which we might be making money that either known or unknown to us is kind of wrong or bad feeling or or immoral or something like that unethical tricking you know whatever it is like almost every business model that is available to us has risks like that or has the potential for kind of like uncomfortable profitability in certain ways um and it's and it's it's a constant issue that we that we face um and after the break which i'll talk about also (laughs) um We'll talk more about that, but you know, even podcast ads, like you know, like I make a lot of my living from podcast ads, uh, and even they have a little bit of a of a downside in that one of the reason podcast ads that are read by the hosts work is that it, it, they they all kind of have an implied endorsement, even though like you know, like I'm very careful as, as a podcast host who who reads sponsorships, I'm very careful to always tell the sponsors and to tailor my reads such that they're never buying my endorsement. I'm never selling that. Like, they can't require endorsements. They try. Many of them try. Not this one, fortunately, but they try. Uh, but I always just say, no, no that, that, that isn't available. And I will, you know, I can read their script and, you know, I can, I can say what they say that doesn't involve what I think of it. But if I say what I think, I'm actually adding that myself. I'm ad-libbing that. That's not in their script and they aren't paying me to say that and they aren't requiring me to say that. Uh, and so... The problem, though, is that like that, that's a pretty fine distinction. And like a lot of people will think that anything that I advertise or any, any sponsor that I do, even if I'm just reading their marketing copy and not talking about my opinion of it, there is a level of implied endorsement there where some people think that like, for, that like if I'm reading something that I've never used, they might, they might assume I've used it and that I like it. And so I, we have to be very careful with sponsor selection, even like who we even let advertise on our shows, because there is that kind of level of implied endorsement. And that makes me kind of uncomfortable. But it's just kind of a reality of like, this is how this market works. And this is the by far the most effective way to fund podcast development. And, and so we have to kind of take that, but it kind of makes me uncomfortable. 
The good thing is this week's sponsor isn't one of those. This week's sponsor is Linode. Linode is a service I actually use. I have used since long before they were a sponsor, something like eight, nine years now. And, uh, and they don't require anybody to tell you how great they are from their point of view. They have this wonderful marketing copy that I'll read in a second. But I, I am here to tell you I actually like Linode a lot. And so this is the, fortunately, this conversation does not apply to them at all. Uh, so Linode gives you access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is a great choice. They have the fastest hardware, the fastest network, and fantastic customer support behind it all. It has never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. And they guarantee 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they keep it that way. They also now offer additional storage, too, with their new block storage feature. This is great if you need portable storage between instances or if you need very large, vast amounts of it for not that much money. Linode is great for that with the new block storage feature. So with Linode, you can do all sorts of things. You can host applications like what I do with Overcast there. You can host big databases, mail servers. You can run VPNs, uh, Docker containers, private Git servers, and so much more. And they're hiring right now. If that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers. So Linode has fantastic pricing options. Plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. And the plans scale up from there, including lots of special things like high memory plans. As a listener of this show, you can sign up at linode.com slash radar to support us and get $20 towards any Linode plan. That could be four free months on that $5 a month plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use promo code radar2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and Relay FM. Related to the podcast advertising challenges you just described, like is in applications, I think, themselves. Like, I have to, like, in, in my applications, I include a third-party ad framework, um, which, in a weird way, is it's like I'm a, giving a implied endorsement for any data collection that they do um, in my application, which is a really awkward, weird place to find yourself, but is kind of the unfortunate reality of... Um, if you if you want to make money from a free application, there's a certain number of like showing ads is something you're kind of going to have to do. And I you know, I long for the days of iAd where like I felt like the ad producer was very much you know, privacy oriented and customer positive. But like now, it certainly feels a little bit like you're kind of choosing you know the the best of the best of a couple of not great um, you know options. And I think we've talked about this before, even back when I had was um, discontinued. Was you know I think I I've settled on using Google for this just because I feel like they're a big enough company that their compliance um, is likely better than you know sort of a smaller, more fly by night kind of advertising network that's trying to get up get off the ground or those those kind of things. Like Google at least has a, a big enough. Uh, incentive to keep on the good side of things but it's still it, it doesn't i don't feel great about it it's it's not something that is a positive feeling but i feel like it's just it's a compromise in a reality that i just sort of have to accept oh yeah and and like and when i was doing google ads and overcast I, I went through the same thought process and came to the same conclusion you know like if you have an ad funded business the reality is the ad world is really messy and some of, some parts of it can be reasonable, and some and many parts of it are very unreasonable. And it sometimes you don't have a choice. Like some like when I was doing you know the Google ads in my app, like there's only so many mobile ad platforms that you can that you can cho- choose from. And, and I agree with you that like Google is 
probably the one that is least likely to be doing creepy stuff because they have the most scrutiny and the most to lose. And that's, that's why I went with them. Uh, but, and, and certainly you're right. I think like, you know, that all like the kind of little players are the ones that are usually the creepiest and usually flagrantly violate all the laws and privacy standards and regulations and everything. But, you know, every business model you choose, there's something like this. There's some ethical downside that, that either is unavoidable or is really hard to avoid. And, you know, like, it, like with Overcast, I actually lucked out in that I, I, I developed my own ad system after the Google thing just didn't do very well. I, I developed my own ad system, and that worked better. And I was able to use it. So now I control everything. So now I, I know that I'm not doing anything creepy with people's you know, data or privacy or anything. And so I can feel good about that. But even with the most simple stuff, like, like you might think that you know, if you have a paid app, say, or you know, some, some way where people just pay you money, and then you know you get you know, then they get your app. Like even that has potential problems. Like back when I when I was doing Instapaper, that was paid up front, and the issue with that was that because there was no free trial, a lot of people would buy the app and realize it wasn't for them. Some people would buy it and never launch it. Some people would buy it and realize you know what this isn't what I thought it was, or I don't like this after all. I'd rather, I wish I hadn't spent that money. Sometimes they would try to get a refund. Sometimes they, and, and app store refunds are not easy to get. Like you have to like, you know, fill out some tickets somewhere. And it's like most people don't even know that that's possible. So the reality is there's a whole lot of people who would like to return something on the app store and just never bother. Kind of like, like when mail-in rebates are really hard to send back because <laughs> they have crazy requirements. They know like that's intentional. They do that so that the few, fewer people send them back. It's kind of like that. Like the app store returns and refunds are really hard. And I think that's by design. I think it's because they don't want a lot of people getting refunds. So the reality is, there's even with direct purchases, there's a whole lot of those purchases that that you get the money for, but then the person like immediately deletes the app because they realize, ah, oh, crap, this isn't for me. I just, I, you know, kiss that five dollars goodbye, and they're kind of mad about it or they kind of feel ripped off. But like, there's nothing they're going to do about it. And I knew that, like with instant paper, I, I knew like I, some portion of this money that I'm getting, I, I kind of don't want. Like, I, I kind of feel bad keeping because these people don't want it. And I thought that like moving to you know the overcast premium within that purchase, I thought that would solve that problem, but it actually doesn't because what I recently started getting is emails every couple of days from somebody saying, so overcast premium is this option in overcast where you can pay to hide the aforementioned banner ads in the app that I, I have ads for other podcasts on the app playing screen. This is how it makes most of its money. And there's a premium option where you can remove those ads. Podcast makers also insert ads themselves into podcasts in audio form, like the sponsor read I just did. Some people think that the Overcast Premium purchase will remove those ads in podcasts that are audio that I have no control over. And I get an occasional email from somebody saying, hey, I bought Premium, but I'm still hearing ads in my podcasts. And for every person who's emailed me asking about that, there are obviously many more who just never email me who are just disappointed and who just feel ripped off. And some of them might request a refund, but most of them probably don't. And that, like, and it's uncomfortable for me that even though I think I'm doing everything above board and I'm trying to be as clear as I possibly can be, there are still areas that I make money that are kind of wrong or 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 that I shouldn't really have that money. And I don't think there's a way to make money in this business that doesn't have some angle like that. Yeah. And I think it's fundamentally like the ideal of it, like the the most ethical like ideal situation 
is we make something, someone else wants that thing, and they give us some amount of money in exchange for that thing. And they're happy about it and we're happy about it. Like that, like that situation. And, you know, I think all of these models include many, you know, many of the transactions do fit that model that everybody's happy. There's no issue. The, you know, it's like a lot of what these things deal with, I think are the, you know, it's what proportion of your users are falling into that into that group into that category that they're getting a you know like they're getting a a fair utility for the money that they're parting with um, and the many of the sort of like the ethical questions come to like well how what is the, what is your tolerance for that not being the case because like you said and even things that superficially seem like that is exactly what it is you can't control people misunderstanding what you're going to what you're going to do. I mean, you can intentionally be making them mis a misunderstanding, which is sort of more like a, the dark patterny kind of kind of thing. But no, no matter how perfect your marketing copy is, no matter how big the button is or the text is or whatever it is, someone is going to be confused. And it's a question I think of how, the degree to which you are, you know, you're tolerant of that confusion of the people who are doing something, who are, you know, parting with parting with money for a reason that is not what they expect or not something that they are happy with um, after the fact. And like, that's complicated. It's nuanced. It's messy. It's not something that I think is, is super straightforward. And it's, you know, it's the, like you can imagine a world where say any, any purchase in your application requires like a five step, like, are you sure? Are you really sure? Like, this is what you're getting. This is what you're, you know, you're, you're parting with. Like, you know, I'm going to wait five minutes. I'm going to wait 10 seconds before the button's enabled for you to push it. Like you could imagine a scenario where like, that's what you do to make sure people are like absolutely sure. But like, that's really annoying for people who know what they want and is probably bad for business. And like, it gets into these very complicated things. And I think, the more I think about this type of topic, it becomes a question of like the important thing as developers is for us to be thoughtful about these choices that we're making, that they're intentional choices. Like hopefully you're making like choices for good, not for evil. Like, and you're be, but you're at least you've thought about this, that you've thought like whenever you have an opportunity to ask, you know, ask for money from somebody that you try and imagine all the different things that people could be confused by you that you try and think about the implications and the sort of the implied what you know sort sort of implied agreements you're kind of you people could be thinking that they're entering into and you're thoughtful about it and like that's i think how we do this ethically is to have consideration there and make sure that our choices are, are as best aligned to our values as we can knowing that we're never going to get it, it it's never going to be perfect there's always going to be people who buy something and then regret it people who buy something and not think that they're going to that they actually were buying it or that they were getting a free trial like those 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 should hopefully be the exception um you know rather than the rule whereas you know clearly in the example of the apps that we started we you know, talked about at the beginning of the show the intention was to mislead the intention was to uh, take advantage of these sort of deficits in the way that the app store is structured and the way that the in-app purchase system is structured. The, you know, they were abusing those to take advantage of people um, in in a way that is, I think there are very few people who are happy that they've been spending $156 a year on their QR scanner. Maybe they exist, but I don't think that's a very high proportion. 
Yeah, I mean, some degree of some of this discomfort, I think, is totally unavoidable. But you can choose how much of it you're willing to take. And, you know, some of this might depend on your situation. Like, if you're somewhere really desperate for money and this money is, like, supporting your whole family, that makes things more complicated. But I think there are, I think there are ethical ways to... There's enough ethical ways to make money that I think most people aren't finding themselves in that situation. Uh, and if you are able to make money in the app store, if you have the, the resources and the talent to make an app that can somehow make money, I think you also can make it do so ethically. And so I encourage people to not only to be on the right side of that, but also to think about all this, even from like you know from design perspectives, like you know, like I need to rethink how I present Overcast Premium because there are people who buy it who think it's going to remove podcast ads. Like I need, I need to think about that and see if I can address that. Like there's all sorts of things like that where like it's important to why to you know when things are in your control, like make it easy for people to get refunds, make it easy for people to do returns, stuff like that. And then for things that are out of your control, like App Store stuff try to make your designs as as clear and friendly as possible for people, for people to do the right thing and to be happy with their purchase and and to to be clear on what they're paying you and why. Yeah, and I think I can also, I think to close this out, is just noting that there have been times where like it's, it's hard to see people, like there have been times when it was harder for me to make a living in the app store. And then you, you see people who are doing dubious things and making making good money in the app store, like good in the sense of lots of it, not in terms of ethically good. Um, and I think the thing that I will say is that holding to good ethics has been a excellent long term strategy. That any of these things are like any of these things when they start to become scams and problematic things, and you're taking advantage of people or exploiting you know flaws in the app store those aren't things that are going to lead to a long-term viable business. Like doing something in an ethical, trustworthy way will work much better in the long run. And I think it's just an encouragement to anybody who's sort of seeing these things and like, oh man, like I could have made that money. It's like, if you want to build a long-term business that's going to have people, customers who trust you and want to you know, continue supporting you and to build a business that'll last a long time, doing it in an ethical, thoughtful way is going to be much more successful. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.